Welcome back to Responsible Impact, a production of Magic Links. We connect brands and influencers in e-commerce. We know many of our related industries have a large aggregate role on climate conversations, and so this is the show where we bring sustainability and e-commerce conversations together. If you aren't super up to speed on the concept of carbon and why it might need offsetting in the first place, here's an extremely quick summary. Everything alive on Earth is made mostly of carbon. Petroleum and gas are also made primarily of carbon. Just like the water cycle, the Earth has a carbon cycle, where living things and the soil, air, and oceans have all exchanged carbon over the eons. Burning generations of fossil fuels has released millennia more carbon into this cycle than any one portion of it is accustomed to or built to handle. What's happening instead is this excess carbon is bloating the system. Carbon offsets are various ways to encourage that carbon to not be a bloat on the Earth's systems, to instead perhaps grow trees, which are about half carbon, or to incentivize the prevention of carbon emissions in the first place by stopping forests being burned, for example. A lot of people aren't super familiar with carbon offsets, and so this episode aims to shed some light on them. A modern and recent concept, many skeptics worry that they're a version of some medieval indulgence issued by a modern-day climate church. Others know that good work is being done, but are really unsure how to tell the difference in who to work with or not. Out of fear, many really well-intentioned people are sitting it out entirely. We found Cool Effect, and we're really thrilled to bring you this conversation with a member of the group's founding family and the organization's marketing manager, Blake Lawrence. Here, he introduces us to Cool Effect and why they were motivated to jump into this space to begin with. Cool Effect is a nonprofit dedicated to offsetting, uh, helping individuals, businesses, and uh, and nonprofits offset their footprint with the highest quality carbon credits available. And we did this because we found that in the industry of carbon offsets and carbon credits, there was a lack of serious transparency. For-profit carbon offset providers were not advertising true pricing for all of the projects they have on their platforms. And the projects they were selling were low-quality uh, projects, meaning they were not additional. They didn't have... Um, the benefits were really lacking and the carbon reduction that was actually going on was minimal. So Cool Effect set out to be the best carbon offset provider with the highest quality, with the highest transparency available. And we've set out to do that and we've done that. We've, uh, we've just passed over 2 million tons uh, reduced in the five years we've been around and we're continuously moving forward. Ooh, okay. Tell me more about the connection between Mirador and Cool Effect. Cool Effect really started back in the early 2000s and how my family got into the carbon offset market. We were, we had just moved to the US and my family wanted to volunteer our time giving back. And we got connected to a group in Honduras that was uh, there for a medical mission. And my dad speaking fluent Spanish and my sister learning Spanish, it was kind of the perfect place to start. So they started going down in 2001, visiting Honduras up in the mountains in a town called Atima and translating to the doctor's base out of Baltimore. After about two years there of going every summer for two weeks, my sister uh, was invited into one of the homes of the families. And that was when she kind of put two and two together. 
a lot of the families, the mother and children who are coming into the clinics had major respiratory problems. And it wasn't until my sister was invited into the home that she realized that the stoves that these women were cooking on were just spewing smoke into the house. And these women were breathing in this toxic fumes day in, day out. Now in Honduras, the stove needs to be on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, partially to help keep the home. Also, because the time it takes to heat up, uh, it's not something they can just turn on and turn off. These are wood-burning stoves. So they have to keep feeding it throughout the day, causing deforestation, respiratory problems. Um, and the time it takes to, for the food to cook, the women have to monitor it all day, and they're not able to go out and get an education or take care of the kids. So it's a very, it has a huge impact on their society. Jumping in here to put a little bug in your ear. When people talk about the intersectionality of, say, gender issues, health, and the environment, this is actually a very clear example. The wood-burning stoves are an environmental and also a health issue, and the knock-on effects from this specific situation lead to diminished opportunity and education for women and girls. That has a broader economic effect, both on the females, but for the region in general. Conversations about the environment almost always share a wall with conversations about other big social issues, too. These things are almost always intersectional. Okay, back to Blake. So we set out to build a better stove. And we did. We built uh, our first stove in 2003. Since then, we've built over 200,000 stoves in Honduras. We've expanded to San Salvador. And we're continuously growing this operation, building more and more of these fuel-efficient cook stoves in Honduras. And these cook stoves are amazing because not only do they remove the smoke from the house, but also the cook speed of all the stoves is greatly increased. It gets hotter faster. So women are starting to have time to go out and get an education, go to classes. They're not dedicating their whole lives inside the home. So how did you grow from there? So... After a couple of years of building these stoves privately financed, we realized that you can't just fund this thing yourself. You need a you need investors and you need a way of funding this. So we came across carbon offsets and carbon credits. Same thing. And we dove kind of headfirst into this. We were the very first privately financed gold standard certified carbon offset project. And we've been selling our credits since 2007. Okay, so you're starting out, you've secured your offsets or your credits. What do you do next? We could go to the previous people that were buying, uh, that were helping fund Cool Effect and selling them the carbon offsets, but we realized we needed to expand our base. And that was when we got involved with other carbon offset providers. What we found was that they were taking, let's call it, we were, char- we were selling the tons for $5. They were turning it around and selling it for double the price, $10 a ton and then taking $5 in profit. And we kind of looked at that and said, well, look, if you can get the $10, you should give the $10 to the project. The project is using this to keep the lights on, keep the doors open, pay for the employees. Yeah, you should buy that much more offset, right? Exactly. And they weren't doing that. So uh, we decided to do our own business. And that's how we got, that's how Cool Effect was really born. It was born to bring pricing transparency to this market where there was seriously lacking. And we've made waves. What have been some of the bigger proud moments and successes for you? We've 
been we helped uh, major corporations like Salesforce and Twitter uh, get to net zero emissions or offset certain parts of their company. Um, we just partnered with a major major airline, American Airlines. That's been really exciting for us. And it's only been going up because people are looking in this world where there's so many things that are hidden. Any transparency that is provided is such a benefit to people. They want to understand how their money is being used, where it's going, what the price per ton is, what our fees are. All of these things are questions that businesses, organizations want to know. And no one else other than Cool Effect will give you a solid answer on that. So, for instance, when I look on your site, I see a number of projects that if I didn't know they were all carbon offsetting, I'd think, oh, these are all very diverse and they're in very different parts of the world. So tell me about how offsetting can be effective and look like so many different things. Yeah. So basically, there are these international standards that to be a carbon offset project, you need to you need to adhere to some of the methodologies that they that they say uh, qualifies for reducing carbon emissions. Now that means there's a ton of different projects out there. For example, there's forest preservation. Forests are natural carbon sinks, which means they take carbon out of the air and they put it into the ground, and so they're very effective at reducing carbon pollution. But then there's also projects like building fuel-efficient cookstoves. It's reducing the amount of wood burned, causing less CO2 to be released. And that is a quantifiable number that the scientists will test when reviewing the project for certification and verification. Can you go a little bit into what some of these projects are? Yeah, absolutely. Fuel-efficient cookstoves, forest preservation, tree planting. We have biogas digesters that take animal waste, capture the methane, and use it to power the lights and the stove in uh, rural homes in China. And these are all amazing projects. And these are projects that we do extensive due diligence on to make sure that adhere to our standards. They go basically above and beyond the international standards that they have to adhere by anyway. How should someone choose which project? Is there one that's more suited to specific preferences or impact? It all starts by basically getting some direction. A client comes to us and say, hey, we're looking for a project in this area. What do you have? And if we don't have a project in that area, we'll go out and find. So a group came to us and said, we're looking for a project in the Amazon. So we set out to go find the projects. And that means going on to these international standards and scrolling through thousands of different projects and looking through their documentation, meaning these are scientific documents that when they went down to verify the project, these scientists put together these extensive PDFs showing what they found in their research of the project. So we'll, we'll find the project, we'll review the documentation. Once we have a good idea that we like the project, it seems pretty good, we will reach out to the project developer and say, hey, we're interested, uh, we're interested in your project. Can you pass along any other additional information, including financial, uh, any financial documents? We will review, we'll interview the management team. So we'll meet with them. We'll set up a Skype or a Zoom to have a conversation with them to make sure that their goals are aligned with the projects, making sure that they want to expand the project, they want to grow the project. 
that that is the important items for them. And then once we've gone through those and we we're really happy, we will look to add the project on our, onto our platform. And that will entail visiting the project, really getting boots on the ground. And so we have a scientist on our team, Sid Yadav, who has worked with us since the very beginning. And he's the director of project research for Cool Effect. And he's reviewed over 1,500 projects in his life, I mean, visiting these countries all around the world and doing these scientific documents. So he has a ton of experience. He will go and visit the project, meet with the team on the ground, meet with the community members, and he will really get the sense that this is a great project. This is something that their goals are aligned with ours. They're doing the right thing. And he gets really excited about the good projects. And then we'll add it to the platform. We'll negotiate pricing per ton and we'll put it on the platform. So say someone is brand new to carbon offsetting. What should they know? That's a great question. Uh, so all of our projects in our eyes are equal. We have done, they've all gone through the same due diligence that all the other projects are going through. None of them are kind of highwayed into, onto the platform. We don't put up any projects that we don't do this verification process with. So all of the projects really are the highest quality we can find. It just more depends on what you're looking to impact. I've had a group from... Uh, I had a paper company from Brazil reach out to us and they say, look, we, we want to offset with you guys. We want to offset the shipment of our paper. How do we, we what project would you recommend? I say, well, look, you guys are from Brazil. We have a Brazilian project. It kind of, it makes sense. Uh, we have other companies from Asia who are reaching out. They say, we're looking for this and say, look, we've got these methane, methane biogas digesters that are incredibly effective for reducing, uh, reducing methane pollution in these, in these countries. And that kind of aligns with them. So it really depends on each person's preference as to what they want to offset, what company they want to offset with. Gotcha. Is there anything else you'd look for? So the first thing I'd look for is, can you buy projects directly from them? Can you buy tons from that project? That would be the first thing to look for. The second thing I look for is, is there any transparency with the fees? How much is the organization taking from the sale of carbon? You can do a little math in their 990s and take a guess at what they're taking, but that's not certain. Right. Um, also, I've been meaning to ask, what's additionality? Additionality can be difficult. Basically, what it means is, is the project forced to do this or they need the sale of carbon credits to basically survive? I should also tell you that Blake and I had a great long conversation about landfills and additionality. To sum it up, when you put things on top of each other in a landfill, as things decompose, methane gas is formed and released into the atmosphere where it acts like a greenhouse gas. Laws are in place to force landfill facilities in the U.S., but also in most of the world, to capture this gas and prevent it from contributing to greenhouse gases. The trouble is that these facilities then turn around and sometimes seek payment towards this effort as a carbon offset, in air quotes, or as work to keep carbon from entering the atmosphere, as though they were doing us a great service and stopping something detrimental from happening out of the goodness of their hearts, but they were already trapping the methane. Being paid extra to do it is disingenuous and is why they can sell these offsets so cheaply. They have the existing infrastructure to do it. 
It's why they can sell the offsets for something as low as $1 a ton. And of course, it undercuts projects starting from the ground up who are actually limiting carbon and who aren't piggybacking off of industry standard practices. Thus, any payments you throw their way are sort of frosting on the cake, or as Blake put it. It's like being forced to follow HIPAA and then being paid to follow HIPAA. So we're, we're very much against landfill gas. It's not, they're not additional no matter what anybody tells you. Okay, so no $1 snake oil salesman carbon offsets. What else should people know? But a lot of these, a lot of these other carbon offset providers, they, they won't actually sell the individual project. They sell you a portfolio of the credits for 10 bucks, 15 bucks, whatever it is. And that money gets evenly distributed to all of the projects, a lot of those being landfill gas projects. Some people sort of ask with a raised eyebrow, you know, well, but what about companies whose practices are not great, but who sort of pat themselves on the back for buying carbon offsets? A lot of businesses are moving into green space for marketing and PR measures. But, you know, greenwashing. But you know what I say to that is like, look, if they're putting money towards the right projects to offset certain parts of their carbon footprint, I'm fine with it. I will help you market because if more people buy your product and you put more money into offsetting your carbon footprint or putting more money into reducing your company's total carbon footprint, fantastic. Who are some companies you can name who are really knocking it out of the park? Twitter or, uh, or Salesforce as just two of the kind of gold standard. They looked at this and said, well, Salesforce especially. Salesforce looked at it and said, we need to be leaders on this. They're a huge business, one of the biggest. And they have made a focus on getting to net zero carbon emissions. That means they offset all of their uh, scope three emissions, which are emissions that are unavoidable, such as flying, with the highest quality carbon offsets available. If more and more companies want to do that and more and more companies want to uh, support the best quality projects available, you know what? That's great. It's good. People, they should be able to market good things. They should be able to to put out on their products that, hey, look, this is a carbon neutral product. This is a green product. We've changed the packaging to make it recyclable or compostable. Like these are things that the companies, uh, successful companies are looking at saying, look, everyday Joe wants this. Like Joe and Jane, they, they want to buy green products. And it's a great switch in the mentality. So we've talked about companies, but what about individuals? What's been your experience there? Cool Effect really launched with the focus of getting individuals to purchase carbon offsets, to reduce their carbon footprint. We thought if we could get 100,000 people to reduce their carbon footprint, that would be an incredible milestone for us. People didn't want to do it. It wasn't their, it wasn't their problem. It was other people's issue. It was the company's fault that climate change was happening. But we contribute too. If you drive a car, if you if you've flown somewhere, like this all contributes to climate change. And so what we found was people weren't people weren't ready to open up their wallet and say, I'm gonna offset my flight. I'm gonna offset my car. I'm gonna offset my house, my life. What they were doing is they were putting the blame on other people. Ooh. Has there not been any shift since then? Uh I really put it back to when Greta decided to not fly from Europe to New York for the UN climate conference last year, 
that was a massive change of people understanding that flying had a huge impact on your carbon footprint. That was really a driving change for individuals to be like, wow, okay, so I have a, when I fly, I'm putting out one ton domestic flight, two tons international every time I fly. I can offset that with $6. Perfect. Done. We've seen a change with uh, airlines. Airlines are now starting to offer carbon offset programs for their passengers when you buy a ticket that you can then go on and offset your flight for five, ten dollars And this has been incredibly popular because people want to. They want to fight climate change. So if I offset not just my seat on a flight, but the entire flight, what's that look like? It's expensive. If you wanted to offset your whole flight, it'd be about 240 tons for like an average 747. And that's why a lot of airlines are looking into biofuels. American Airlines, I think, announced today that they are partnering with the next-gen biofuel to reduce their carbon footprint that way. It's Airlines are really, like, airlines get it. And they want, the more green they can be, the better off they're going to be in the future because people wanna, will want to fly on green airlines. So I'm the average person, and I really need a cheat sheet for what to look for when I'm buying a carbon offset. Tell me. What am I looking for to suss out the quality? Being able to select your own projects. The second thing would be know the fee structure. Ask what the price per ton is that they are paying for the credit. What fees are they taking on the sale per ton? Um, What's the percentage? Cool effect takes 9.87%. And part of that is payment processing fees. And so those are unavoidable fees that we can't, that we just have to do. And no one will match that 9.87%. There are other nonprofits that say they are lower than ours, and they're not actually real. You can dive into their 990s, and you can see that it's not true. If they start talking about landfill credits, if they start talking about a portfolio of tons, these are all red flags. Having the ability to choose your own project is really important. Um, I know you have some thoughts around people approaching carbon offsets as if they wipe away the sins of the past. <laughs> can, you, um, can you talk to that? And this is a critic is a common criticism that carbon credits get is is I am just paying to reduce my pollution that I'm continuously still I'm still polluting, but because I'm putting money into this, it doesn't matter. And that's not the right way to think about it. You have to reduce your footprint in every other way. You need to bike or walk more. You need to carpool if you can, although in today's world it's a little more difficult. Um, and you need to eat less meat. You need to, um, you just need to reduce your carbon footprint. Call your local energy provider. You can request alternative energy and, uh, the electrical company will put more investment into greener energy and stop requesting from coal and natural gas and other of these hugely, uh, major pollutant energy sources. And so I recommend absolutely everyone call your local energy provider, request alternative energy for your house. It is a couple bucks extra a month, but it does not break the bank and you will have a major impact. But it's reducing your carbon footprint in every way possible and then offsetting the rest with the highest quality carbon assets available. That's really the role they play. You mentioned a company that you had worked with who sort of said something that really stuck out to you. Can you, um, can you tell our audience a little bit more about that? 
I had a great conversation with the CEO of a company called Diaper. They're partners with us. They are a sustainable baby diaper and really cool. And the guy was great. He said to me, and I'll never forget this. He said, if I was looking at this as a business decision, I would never do it. I'm doing it because it's the right decision. And it's costing me money that I didn't, I wouldn't have to spend, but it's the right thing to do. And it's because we have to do it. That really stuck with me because those are the types of partners that we want. We want partners that say, look, I'm not doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because it's the right thing. And that's the world that we kind of need to move into. We need to stop looking so in-world and self-absorbed. We need to kind of start looking around us and saying, look, we need to fix the problems around the world. And you guys were a great example of that. You guys have really stepped up and like said, look, this is the right thing to do. We're not doing this because of business decision. We're doing this because it's what needs, what we need to do as a business in today's world. Some of you may know the classroom poster that I'm thinking of. It says, doing what's right is not always easy. Doing what's easy is not always right. Magic Links talks pretty openly about how we are people with responsibilities to leave it better than we found it. And of course, if you're this far into one of our episodes, that's probably not a shock to you. But what Blake's talking about here is a super succinct example of this. Maybe give some thought to things that you'd accepted because they were easy. Maybe there are more winners if you choose a slightly different way of going about some things. Okay, you know the drill. Tell your friends, rate the show, and subscribe. We're on all the things. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, basically wherever you're listening right now, plus everywhere else too. Credits for this episode go to Hazel Shin, Brian Nickerson, and Janet Cowan for being a colleague, a fan, and a friend. Right now, she's also a mommy slash teacher who is making it happen. And I want to say to all you parents out there who are teaching kids during COVID and probably feeling pulled all over God's creation, we love you. We see you. You're crushing it. Of course, massive thanks go to Blake Lawrence for his time and insight. Cool Effect is online at atcooleffect.com. Go show him some support. I'm Natalie, and I'm out. Till next time, gang.